Long History A Journal of the First Voyage of Vasco da Gama Part 4 Southeast Africa Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. The document we're covering at the moment is a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama was one of the three most famous explorers from the European Age of Exploration and here on Long History we've already looked at documents about Magellan and Columbus so now's the time for the third of those famous figures from history. This is episode 4 of a 15 part series so now's the time to subscribe and in the last episode Vasco da Gama and his crew rounded the tip of southern Africa, the Cape of Good Hope particularly, and then headed east reaching Mossel Bay and then the islands in today's Algoa Bay. In this episode Vasco da Gama begins the record-breaking part of his journey. He continues east and then north, passing well beyond the limits of the explorations of his Portuguese predecessor, Bartholomew Diaz. The limits of that previous expedition will be marked by the pillar mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So here we go with a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama. Part 4. Southeast Africa On Saturday, we passed the last pillar. And as we ran along the coast, we observed two men running along the beach, in a direction contrary to that which we followed. The country about here is very charming and well wooded. We saw much cattle, and the further we advanced, the more did the character of the country improve, and the trees increase in size. During the following night we lay two. We were then already beyond the last discovery made by Bartholomew Diaz. On the next day, till Vespers, we sailed along the coast before a stern wind, when the wind springing round to the east, we stood out to sea. And thus we kept making tacks until sunset on Tuesday, when the wind again veered to the west. We then lay to during the night, in order that we might on the following day examine the coast and find out where we were. In the morning we made straight for the land, and at ten o'clock found ourselves once more at the Elieo da Cruz, Cross Island, that is sixty leagues abaft our dead reckoning. This was due to the currents, which are very strong here. That very day we again went forward by the route we had already attempted, and being favoured during three or four days by a strong stern wind, we were able to overcome the currents which we had feared might frustrate our plans. Henceforth it pleased God in his mercy to allow us to make headway. We were not again driven back. May it please him that it be thus alway. Natal By Christmas Day, the 25th of December, we had discovered 70 leagues of coast. When he says discovery by this, he means that he's gone further than Bartholomew Diaz. On that day, after dinner, when setting a bonnet, we discovered the mast was sprung and secured it with lashings below the top, and that the crack opened and shut. We patched it up with backstays, hoping to be able to repair it thoroughly as soon as we should reach a sheltered port. On Thursday we anchored near the coast and took much fish. At sunset we again set sail and pursued our route. 
At that place the mooring rope snapped and we lost an anchor. We now went so far out to sea without touching any port that drinking water began to fail us and our food had to be cooked with salt water. Our daily ration of water was reduced to a quartillo. It thus became necessary to seek a port. Terra de Boagente and Rio do Cobre On Thursday, January the 11th, we discovered a small river and anchored near the coast. On the following day, we went close inshore in our boats and saw a crowd of local people, both men and women. They were tall people, and a chief, senor, was among them. The captain major ordered Martin Afonso, who had been a long time in Manicongo, and another man to land. They were received hospitably. The captain major, in consequence, sent the chief a jacket, a pair of red pantaloons, a Moorish cap and a bracelet. The chief said that we were welcome to anything in his country of which we stood in need. At least this is how Martin Afonso understood him. That night, Martin Afonso and his companion accompanied the chief to his village, whilst we returned to the ships. On the road, the chief donned the garments which had been presented to him, and to those who came forth to meet him, he said with much apparent satisfaction, Look what has been given to me. The people upon this clapped hands as a sign of courtesy, and this they did three or four times until he arrived at the village. Having paraded the whole of the place, thus dressed up, the chief retired to his house and ordered his two guests to be lodged in a compound where they were given porridge of millet which abounds in that country and a fowl just like those of Portugal. All the night through, numbers of men and women came to have a look at them. In the morning, the chief visited them and asked them to go back to the ships. He ordered two men to accompany them and gave them fowls as a present for the captain major, telling them at the same time that he would show the things that had been given to him to a great chief who appears to be the king of that country. When our men reached the landing place where our boats awaited them, they were attended by quite two hundred men who had come to see them. This country seemed to us to be densely peopled. There are many chiefs, and the number of women seems to be greater than that of the men, for among those who came to see us there were forty women to every twenty men. The houses are built of straw. The arms of the people include longbows and arrows and spears with iron blades. Copper seems to be plentiful, for the people wore of it on their legs and arms and in their twisted hair. Tin, likewise, is found in the country, where it is to be seen on the hilts of their daggers, the sheaths of which are made of ivory. Linen cloth is highly prized by the people, who were always willing to give large quantities of copper in exchange for shirts. 
they have large calabashes in which they carry seawater inland, where they pour it into pits to obtain the salt. We stayed five days at this place, taking in water, which our visitors conveyed to our boats. Our stay was not, however, sufficiently prolonged to enable us to take in as much water as we really needed, but the wind favoured a prosecution of our voyage. We were at anchor here near the coast, exposed to the swell of the sea. We called the country Terra de Boagente, land of good people, and the river Rio de Cobre, Copper River. Rio dos Bonches Sinais. On Monday we discovered a low coast, thickly wooded with tall trees. Continuing our course, we perceived the broad mouth of a river. As it was necessary to find out where we were, we cast anchor. On Thursday at night, we entered. The barrio was already there, having entered the night before, that is, eight days before the end of January. The country is low and marshy, and covered with tall trees, yielding an abundance of various fruits which the inhabitants eat. These people are black and well made. They go naked, merely wearing a piece of cotton stuff around their loins, that worn by the women being larger than that worn by the men. The young women are good looking. Their lips are pierced in three places and they wear in them bits of twisted tin. These people took much delight in us. They brought us in their almadillas what they had, whilst we went into their village to procure water. When we had been two or three days at this place, two gentlemen, senores of the country, came to see us. They were very haughty, and valued nothing which we gave them. One of them wore a tuca, with a fringe embroidered in silk, and the other a cap of green satin. A young man in their company, so we understood from their signs, had come from a distant country, and had already seen big ships like ours. These tokens, Sinaish, gladdened our heart, for it appeared as if we were really approaching the bourne of our desires. These gentlemen had some huts built on the river bank, close to the ships in which they stayed seven days, sending daily to the ships, offering to barter cloths which bore a mark of red ochre. And when they were tired of being there, they left in their almadillas for the upper river. As to ourselves, we spent 32 days in the river taking in water, careening the ships and repairing the mast of the Raphael. Many of our men fell ill here, their feet and hands swelling, with their gums growing over their teeth, so that they could not eat. We erected here a pillar, which we called the Pillar of St. Raphael, because it had been brought in the ship bearing that name. The river we called Rio dos Bonches River of Good Signs or Tokens. To Mozambique on Saturday, we left this place and gained the open sea. During the night, we stood northeast so as to keep away from the land, 
which was very pleasing to look upon. On Sunday, we still stood northeast, and at vesper time discovered three small islands out in the open, of which two were covered with tall trees, while the third and smallest was barren. The distance from one island to the other was four leagues. On the following day, we pursued our route, and did so during six days, lying to at night. On Thursday the 1st of March, we sighted islands and the mainland, but as it was late, we again stood out to sea and lay to till morning. We then approached the land, of which I shall speak in what follows. So in this episode, we perhaps have typical examples of what might happen on these voyages. A mast is broken and fixed. There's a constant need for water. And the men fall ill, with symptoms which seem to be scurvy. In the meantime, they meet people who have travelled far and beyond. And Vasco da Gama seems to be happy that there are signs of potential for trade in the area. As this episode ended, Vasco da Gama and his crew were moving on, heading towards an island called Mozambique. Not quite the same as today's country of Mozambique, although it's in the same area. So thank you for listening everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, don't forget to give it a like before you move on, and share it with anyone who might be interested. Vasco da Gama is now in new waters, pushing the limits of previous explorations. This was a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, part 4, Southeast Africa. Goodbye.